Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, guys. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audio book with a 30-day free trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title free, and start listening. It's that easy. It's so easy. <laughs> it's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese. Also, a huge special thanks to our patrons at Patreon. Our current patrons are John Donna, Stephanie L., and Terry Needleman. They gave us a little extra financial support that helps us keep the lights on here at Musicals with Cheese. We appreciate it. It's not required. Like, we're still going to put out episodes. Like, But you get a few extra perks. Like, me and Andrew are going to do a commentary on the musical Cats pretty soon. That is going to be for patrons only. It's going to be exciting. I can't wait to find out what Cats is about. <sighs> so that's... There's some stuff coming up, and it really is rewarding for you guys to become a part of our Patreon. Also, you will notice in our description that we have an affiliate link. So, how often do you guys shop on Amazon.com? I know I do it at least once or twice a week. I buy all of my weird movies on there. Yes, exactly. So, why don't you shop there with our affiliate link down there in the description. Buy yourself something musical theater related. Send it to us on Twitter. It helps us out. It helps you out. Everyone wins. It's going to be great. All right, let's get on to the real show. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, a podcast right? <laughs> where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater more. Well, how are you doing today, Andrew? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Jess? You know... I just lost my job as a carnival barker, and I don't know how to get another job. So you know how I'm taking out my anger? You know, you should just, like, rob somebody. That would be a good idea. But after beating my wife. Of, I mean, of course. <laughs> that was like a given. It's <laughs> uh, uh, not funny, but apparently it is, because this week we're talking about Rodgers and Hammerstein's Carousel. Jess has so much to say. <laughs> I can see it in his eyes now. He's like holding it back. All right. Carousel is the second musical by the team Rodgers and Hammerstein. Basically, this is the second musical ever written in the way that we consider musicals. The first was Oklahoma, which set up like all the tropes that we now see. And this is the second one they have ever they ever did. And I think this is their best. Like their sophomore slump is their best work in a way, at least musically. So, the 1945 work was adapted from Ferenc Ferenc Molnar's 1909 play Lilium, transplanting its Budapest setting to the main coastline. The story revolves around carousel barker Billy Bigelow, whose romance with mill worker Julie Jordan comes at the price of both of their jobs. He participates in a robbery to provide for Judy and their unborn child. After it goes tragically wrong, he is given the chance to make things right. You know, that sounds very general. But it doesn't even bring up the, like, spousal abuse, the suicide, or the fact that God has to get his hand involved. That's, I mean, that does describe the whole plot. I mean, yes, it does. What kind of name is Billy Bigelow, Julie Jordan? I mean, who, who They all sound like guys? superhero names. That's true. They, 
What, what's the name of Here that? Here comes Billy Bigelow to save the day. Oh, God, he just stabbed himself. Okay, uh, what, what's the name of the uh, kid in, uh, in Shazam? I feel like it's the same name right now. Billy Baxton. Billy Baxton, Billy Bigelow. I mean, what's the difference? Julie Jordan. I like the names. They feel musical in a way. Like, the song, You're a Queer One, Julie Jordan. Like, that just flows so beautifully because of that name. It's true. It's because everyone loves alliteration. But then you got people like Carrie Pipridge, who isn't, but still feels musical. And Mr. Snow, Enoch Snow. Like, these all are names so perfectly chosen. It's true. And I've never read Lilium, but I am I feel like that probably doesn't translate well. And it's so Americana as well. So, Andrew, what did you think of Carousel? Your first just thoughts. Well, it feels like an old musical. <laughs> it's got all the tropes, uh that you'd expect there to be. They're all there. My my main complaint is there's not very much carousel in it. In fact, I don't think we ever see a carousel in the entire thing. In the opening overture, but you watched, Andrew watched the Kelly O'Hara, Nathan Gunn, um, Jesse Moore concert production that they had on Lincoln Center. Yeah, and there wasn't very much in the overture there. It was shots of outside, I'm pretty sure. I don't even understand. Like, is the carousel supposed to be a metaphor for life? Like, we're just spinning ride round, baby, ride round? No, definitely not. I think the carousel is... It's not really anything. It's just that's... It's in there. (laughs) And they're like, what do we call this? And they're like, oh, we can't call it Suicide Island. Or... (laughs) (laughs) Or, like... The you man know, who beats his wife. The man who beats his wife and then committed a robbery and then died. So let's call it Carousel. That's fun. That's a fun name. Yeah, that'll trick people into coming in. They should have named it Sardine. I have a lot of issues with the show that I'm going to bring up later, but I want to talk about the things I like before I like dive into this. Excellent. So... Oklahoma was the first musical that Rodgers and Hammerstein ever wrote. It set the standard for what musical theater is. It gives the I Want Song, the two couples, and all that. For classical musical theater, it set the standard. Except it has a lot of things where you understand, like, from the original musical comedies of the, like, 30s and 20s and all that, where they just have a dream ballet right before Act 1 ends, and it just feels totally out of place. The narrative is not fronted by it. Where in Carousel... They found a way to get that ballet in there in a way that feels natural to the story. Kind of. They were... I think it feels... Uh, you haven't seen Oklahoma yet. It it just is so strange. It's like a reenactment of Act 1 plus a little bit of, like... It, it's, it, it doesn't fit. Where in this one, at least it has a purpose of story. And you learn a lot of story through it. Fair enough. Structurally and understanding musical theater structure and the creation of structure... Rodgers and Hammerstein finally figured it out, and it is perfect here. Now, <laughs> a lot of what it has to say as a play, I've got issues with. It doesn't have very much to say at all, I don't think. So, around, I want to say September of last year, right before, right when we started this podcast up in earnest, I made a video about Carousel, just about how problematic yeah, it was. Yeah, I never watched that. <laughs> and a lot of people were like, you don't understand, it's a sign of the times, and blah 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 blah, it doesn't support domestic abuse, and it, it's like defaming domestic abuse. And I'm, uh, eh. I don't know, I, I, I would tend to agree on some level with that. 
And you do have to consider this was written in, what, 1950? 1945. Yeah, I mean, like, to the moon, right? Come on. I mean, it doesn't romanticize it, but they definitely want you to see Billy as the dashing, like, strong, dangerous guy that everyone everyone has a sexual inkling for. And then you've got Enoch Snow, who respects his wife, expects fidelity, and is independently wealthy based on his own things. And then by the end of the show, it's looking on him like he's some petty-ass rich boy and like, ah, if I had half a mind, I wouldn't have been with you and all that type of stuff. It, in the end, it sides with Billy and not Enoch. I mean, I saw Billy as like a Gaston type for most of the show. But this Gaston gets to go to heaven in the end. <laughs> Gaston goes to heaven. <laughs> no, no, he, he 100% is rotting in hell. Billy Bigelow's probably there, too, then. Except for we get to see that he's not. <laughs> yes. Actively, we get to see that he's not. So, Andrew, do you want to just walk us through the plot? We don't want to go step by step, but just the broad strokes of what happens. Okay. Um, there's, like, two women, and they go to a carousel, and one of the women falls in love with the guy at the carousel, and the other one reveals that she's already getting married to someone else. She just met a guy. They don't get married until after Julie and Billy are married. Fair enough. But Billy freaks out when he's going to have kids because he doesn't have any money because he doesn't have a job because he's a loser. Because <laughs> he quit his job to, like, have sex with this girl. Yeah, which, I mean, was a good idea. Great idea. Good, good on him. Uh, <laughs> but not not really, though. You probably could have had a job and done that at the same time. Uh he decides that the best solution to this is not to get a job, but just to um, steal from some guy. I think it was the mill owner that he was going to steal from. Yes. The mill owner that fired his wife. Yes. Yeah. So he did that, but he didn't do that because it didn't work and he just kills himself. Because he ain't going to prison. I ain't going to prison. He's not going to prison. So instead, he'd just rather be dead. And notice you didn't bring up the domestic violence at all here. I mean, it doesn't have that much plot relevance. <laughs> it kind of does. He beats his wife because he's angry that he doesn't have a job. That, that, that's all we need to say. Yeah, so it doesn't really have very much plot relevance in that it doesn't actually affect the plot. It comes back later. It affects the plot when it's paid off later. It's paid off later in that Billy learned nothing and did it again. Yes, exactly. So he gets to heaven and he meets what is essentially God, who is here called the Starkeeper. The Starkeeper is not God. You're entitled to go back to Earth for one day to, like, fix up shit. And he's like, okay, can I go see my daughter? And he's like, yeah, but she growed up because up here, uh, one minute is one year. It's been 15 minutes. So she's 15 now. It's been 15 minutes. So he goes down and sees his daughter and she's like pretty much gotten bullied and ridiculed her entire life because her father was a thief who killed himself publicly. Oops. I wonder who did that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Maybe if you had just gone to prison, you would have like not ruined her life as much. But either way, he meets her and he's she's just like, strange man, why are you coming near me? And like talking very close to my face and trying to give me gifts. I'm going to wreck her. (laughs) Then he hits her. And then he... And, yeah, and basically she's like, I don't want your star. Get away from me, scary, creepy man. And he's like, no, just come here. And then he smacks her, literally learning nothing. Don't come any closer. You go away with your white face. You scare me. Don't chase me away. I just want to give you something pretty, something wonderful. See? What's that? It's a star. 
Go away. Uh, no, darling, please. I just want to make Don't you Don't call happy. me darling. Please, Let go of my arm. Take it. Louise. Louise. <laughs> Couldn't go five minutes with meeting his daughter without hitting her. Yeah, I feel like that would have been a good um, a good arc for him to have. Like, oh, maybe I don't do that. And then his wife barges out, and he chooses not to be seen by her. And then she says, one of the most baffling lines in musical theater history. So baffling that in the most recent revival, they just flat out cut it. What line is that? It is basically... The daughter says, There was a strange man here, and he hit me hard. I heard the sound of it. But it didn't hurt, Mother. It didn't hurt at all. It was as if he kissed my hand. Into the house, child. What's happened, Mother? Don't you believe me? Yes. But why do you tell me why you're acting so funny? It's nothing, darling. Is it possible, Mother, for someone to hit you hard like that? Real loud and hard? And not hurt at all? It's possible for someone to hit you, hit you hard, and not hurt at all. It's like I was hit by an angel. (laughs) 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 Like, it is so bafflingly tone deaf, especially because up to that point, we are basically trying to... we see it as an anti-hero trying to learn his met- lesson. But that was the moment when, no, it's good that you hit your wife. You gotta keep him in line. It's such a way of showing lo- love is basically what that line is cementing. Jess, have you ever really loved someone? <laughs> I'm about to love you if you don't shut the fuck up. <laughs> then I think she ends up taking the star, and I guess that helps something, right? No, sh- no it does fucking nothing. It's pointless. He go, she goes to her graduation, and suddenly the star keeper is there giving the speech for some reason. Yeah, and then they go back up to heaven, and Billy's happy. Yeah, because that's good enough. He, like, whispers in her ear, like, go be happy, listen to him, and don't let my sins affect the rest of your life. And she smiles and sings along with her class, and somehow that's that's an ending. Really, everything after he kills himself is not great. Garbage. Yeah, I like the ballet. The sad part is I really like the ballet. I, something that a lot of people who have watched me over the last 10 years I've done YouTube and have listened to this podcast know, I am a big fan of plot-centric songs and storytelling and all that. Very true. This is the w- one musical that is the exception, where I will listen to the overture and love it, because this is just a gorgeous overture, as well as that ballet, just because the music is so fucking fantastic in this like it is their most rogers and hammerstein's most gorgeous score they have ever written uh, so much that i'm even willing to like overpass songs like it was a real nice clam bake that are just brain dead moronic to have in here <laughs> but yeah that ballet is incredible like because just musically alone and after that point, it's just like, I'm, I'm done. I don't need to hear you can walk alone because there's no good songs after that. The story that's there is offensive to me on a whole level and hurts my soul to even like see, as well as the resolution is just brainless. My real thought is, why don't they just change it so he doesn't hit her? Like, it's not even necessary to have in there. You could just change that section a little bit and fix it. There's too much lines of dialogue, and you you, you find with a lot of musical theater, International is one of them, they don't want you changing the book at all with any restage version. It is history, and if we go changing history, then blah, 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 blah. 
It's yeah. like, why wouldn't we change Shakespeare? Just make it so that it sounds more normal. The people have done that, though. Have they ever changed the dialogue of Shakespeare, like, and called it the same thing? Not called it the same thing, but there's been, like, revisions of it and things like that, for sure. And there's, like, a million reinterpretations of it. <laughs> like, Nomeo and Juliet, which is one of the classics. <laughs> Carousel as totals by gnomes. <laughs> You can't put the word gnome into carousel as the problem, so that's why that won't ever happen. Uh, so, Andrew, out of all the characters in this, who do you like the most? It it could be, like, things people you, do, like, kind of have emotion for, or just people you enjoy when they're on screen. I like Mr. Snow. You like Enoch Snow? Yeah. He's got a lot of ambition. Somebody you can kind of look up to. Right? I mean, he kind of he is Gaston, though. Like... Hey, I, I've got these plans and stuff, and you're going to be my wife, and we're going to have 50 kids, and I'm going to, like, sail all the time. <laughs> but he loves and respects his wife and expects fidelity from her, and he's emotionally open. I like him a lot until that last scene at the end of the show, where he's just shown a snobby asshole because we need to like Billy. Yeah, but I mean, we, I forget the whole ending, like, whatever. <laughs> Let's just pretend that doesn't happen. I mean, it's hard to because the end of a show is basically the message. It's where, careful the things you say, children will listen. That's where you get the author's intent of it. And here the author's intent is, go for the dangerous asshole. He loves you. He's the one that really cares and the one will be really good for you. The one that kills himself and leaves you alone with a daughter to raise on your own. He's the one that likes you. My, my thought is that the whole ending doesn't happen. You're, you're just ignoring that, cutting that out? Yeah, basically the real story ends when Billy kills himself, and everything after that is just like a fever dream he's having while he's passing out. Jacob's Ladder style? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, fine. I mean, I'm, f I'm fine with that, too. It's a good interpretation, I think, right? And then basically the moral of the story is if you, if you try to rob somebody, you're an asshole, and you'll die. <laughs> You'll never see your child, and your wife will be angry at you. Which I think is a good moral, honestly. That's a much better moral than what we got, <laughs> I guess. On one hand, I'm, like, baffled that this show is still put on. But on the other hand, the songs are fucking so good. Yeah, all the music in this is very solidly put together. I like Jigger a lot. And I don't know. He was the he was the villain, basically. He is. He's literally coming in and, and into every subplot and fucking it up somehow, and I love it. He almost fucking breaks up the uh, secondary couple. Like if I was to make my film adaptation of this, I would cast Andrew as Jigger. <laughs> I would cast myself as Enoch Snow, and Billy wouldn't be in it. Aw, oh, you gotta have Billy Bigelow. Even the most charming actors in the world who have played Billy Bigelow can't get past the shitty things that he does like patrick wilson is probably one of the most charismatic broadway actors in the world and he just hits her hard <laughs> you can't get rid of the hitting her hard part of the story he just he just hits her right on the face now what do you think about the like how surprised were you that it turned into the fantasy world of going to heaven and yeah i that? wasn't expecting that at all i was like oh man they're just gonna kill the main character that's interesting but then it was like oh now he's in... Okay. Uh, yeah, it. I don't like it. It seems contrived, I guess. It's like, oh, you get a second chance because you died. And then he fucks up the second chance because he's an idiot. 
<laughs> was there ever a point that you felt sympathetic to Billy Bigelow? Probably near the beginning. Like you liked him when he openly quits his job just so he can try to bang this little girl? Yeah, of course. Who wouldn't? <laughs> I mean, he's charming, and I was really hoping that he would go somewhere positive from that. But no, that like that low level, like it just gets even lower as it goes. I mean, he starts out as somebody who's like hitting on girls at the carousel that he works at, and then he goes to uh, a ghost who beats his daughter that he's never met. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's the arc. <laughs> that's the arc. Like, Billy Bigelow seems like the type of guy where even if he knew that that was his daughter, he would still try to flirt with her. Like, hey, you're pretty attractive. I mean, he kind of did. He didn't tell her that he was his, her dad, so, you know, it's like, it could have gone anywhere from there. We don't really know. I feel like that is the type of human being Billy Bigelow is. Like, even knowing that's his daughter, if he got even the eighth of an arousal from her, he would try to... <laughs> You know. Is Billy Bigelow worse than Gaston? Uh, Gaston only killed animals. It depends on whether or not you put, like, human life over animal life. Yeah, I mean... Well, he didn't torture them. He didn't put them in a situation where they could... Well, I guess Gaston beat LeFou, who thought he was in a domestic partnership with Gaston. It depends which version you watch. <laughs> in the original subtext, in the remake, it's text. LeFou... LeFou... I mean, he's a cartoon sidekick, though. He deserves it. <laughs> You're a queer one, lawful. No, that doesn't that doesn't fit. So how did Julie and Bigelow have any money? Neither of them have she a job. She had a job. She had a job? She had a job in the mill, but then they were also living with her aunt, Nettie. I thought the mill guy fired her. Yeah, but you still can save money, you know. How long did they save money for? Like, the description between when they meet, get together, and kiss, and married and about to have a kid is just, it's as the book says, over a month later. Ah, over a month. That's a long period of time. Yeah, it's just vague enough to make no goddamn sense. <laughs> Beyond domestic abuse, do you have any issues with the plot? If Let's, let's pretend that was gone. Is it still bad? Alright, so, let's say Billy Bigelow is just an unemployed asshole that doesn't beat his wife, but... Johnny doesn't drink. Yeah. <laughs> if he was played by Tommy Wiseau. I did not hit her. It's, I did not. It's not true. I did not. Well, I mean, he kind of... <laughs> Billy does do that, doesn't he? <laughs> I did not hit her. No. Oh, no. I did not beat her. I hit her. <laughs> Actual line from the show. <laughs> I didn't beat her. I hit her. Why'd you beat her? I didn't beat her. I would never beat a little thing like that. I... I, I hit her. Why? Well, you see, we'd argue, and she'd say this, and I'd say that, and she'd be right, and so I'd hit her. Hmm. Are you sorry you hit her? I ain't sorry for anything. Totally relatable. Oh, hashtag... God forbid a woman be right in a situation. Hashtag relatable. <laughs> I like a lot of the personality of Billy Bigelow. And it's it's just a small pile that stacks up. Like, probably his most hateable moment, even despite everything, is when he's about to rob this guy with Jigger. And they're just killing time, and he's like, let's play a game of cards just, just to pass the time. And he's like, alright, I don't have money. He's like, how about you owe me credit for it? And then he exceeds the amount he was gonna get from this robbery anyway <laughs> by losing and just keeps going. <laughs> It's like, okay, now's the time you just leave, I think, right? Literally, this show 
takes initiative to pour salt on the wound and make you hate this guy. They, they have that, and then they also have um, that the guy who they were going to rob wasn't even going to the place that they were going to rob him from or whatever. Literally the most incompetent robbers <laughs> in the world. Does Billy do one? Does Billy do one right thing in this entire show? Yes, yes. Uh, he kills himself. <laughs> First try. First try. That's not funny, guys. Okay, that's a joke. <laughs> yeah, suicide. Suicide is a real thing, and so is domestic abuse. And yet, this show treats it like throwaway gags. Yeah. Not since uh, uh, she loves me have I seen a more flippant suicide. <laughs> I mean, this is a lot like The Room, the more I think about it. Yeah, no, because, I mean, Billy, compared to Johnny, is, like, a terrible person. Like, Johnny's great. (laughs) So, fun fact, when they were putting on the show originally, they did a bunch of -of out-of-town tryouts, and John Raitt was the original Billy. And they were, like, asking the audience, like, was it? Do you guys still like Billy? And like, especially women, they're like, "Oh yeah, we love Billy. We were on his side the whole time." And they're like, "Okay, why?" He's like, "He was just so dreamy and such a man." And I'm like, "What? <laughs> what?" I mean, this was the age the of the 40s. Beatles, were, so the 40s were a crazy time. guys, sorry to interrupt you in the middle of the show, but I'm here to shill at you. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese. This week, I am recommending Something Wonderful, Rodgers and Hammerstein's Broadway Revolution by Todd S. Purdom and narrated by writer Todd S. Purdom. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese for your free audiobook. All right, folks, let's get you back to the show. Oh, man, you did the whole announcement without me. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Let's talk about the Carousel Waltz, which opens the entire show. Are you talking about the Overture or the... The Overture, yes. But they call it the Carousel Waltz. It really is such a soothing like experience where you get the feel of this world where this carnival that we start in like you just feel the power of this like world that we're in it's right up there with gypsy but in a much more melodic way like this is a very melodic piece and like mostly it kind of focuses on its own themes like i don't remember any like themes that get picked up later in it aside from maybe if i loved you yeah no i think you're right i think you are right about that 
like it's its own thing and it is so gorgeous to listen to and when you see it on stage it shows like billy bigelow flirting with the girls and all that and it's starts with this dreamy world view that we have and if you watch the version i watched you get to see the outside of the theater one of the best like song scenes that both act as a scene and a musical number if i loved you it's a conditional love song between julie and billy when they're just kind of meeting and they've both given up their entire lives to flirt with one another yeah andrew what do you think of that song it's um it's a good song i'm not sure i'm in love with the subject matter just because it's a little bit like, oh, I don't like you, I, I do like you, and it's just so on the nose about that. In musical theater, there is the thing called the conditional love song, where you don't want everyone falling in love at first sight without lampshading it. In Oklahoma, you have the song called People Will Say We're In Love, where it's like, don't do this, people might think we're in love, and I don't like you. And in this one, it's kind of the response where it's like, fine, if I loved you, the world would be great, but it's too bad we don't. When obviously you've got these two people that are obviously in love that just don't want to admit it to each other because either they're nervous and all that. And Julie is very much like, I am in my own mind about beauty and stuff. And Billy is like, what if God isn't real? We're so small. We're so insignificant in this universe. Yeah, Billy has a bit of a crisis in this song. You can't hear a sound of the turn of a leaf nor the fall of a wave in the sand The tide's creeping up on the beach like a thief Afraid to be caught stealing the land On a night like this I start to wonder What life is all about And I always say two heads are better than one to figure it out yeah, when I first listened to this song that is outside of, like, the covers and all that, like, the actual scene, I'm like, wow, you're having an existential crisis just because you met this girl. Yeah, but he, he, um, no, he doesn't ever find his way. Well, I mean, he finds out what happens on the other side, I guess. I suppose he does. It's the closest thing to foreshadowing about that act, too. I still didn't see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> but it is gorgeous. It is a beautiful song. And... It visually paints a picture, like the leaves or the flower blossoms on the trees falling down all by themselves and, like, the fact that there's no wind. And you understand both characters very early on. Julie is a goofier, like, one, and Billy is like, I don't want you, I don't like this, I don't want to be in love, and you're going to ruin my life if I were in love with you. You understand both of them in this scene, and... I'm honestly a little disappointed it comes so early because I don't think any song reaches the heights of this song ever again. There's still some nice songs in the rest of it, though. Yeah, but none of them are quite as good as this. I mean, even the ballet um, in the end, it's mostly based on this song. I think there's still quite a few songs I like, though. Oh, yeah, there's tons of songs that I like, but this is the best. Whatever you say, my man. June is busted. 
what's a bustin' out of bushes in the rompin' river pushes every little wheel that wheels beside the mill. Do you want to talk about June is bustin' out all over? Because you and I have been singing that literally all week. I like this song. It's fun. Sing a little bit of it for us. June is busting out all over. I think I missed that last note. I think I missed it. June, June, June. June, June, June. It is a fun song. I feel like this song comes back more than any other song. And why do you think you like this one so much? It's just a catchy, fun one. I don't love it, but it's good. And what's the point of a song if you can't sing along, right? Says a man who loves the Muppets as much as he. Why don't you like this song? Oh, I don't dislike this song. I just don't. Once again, you know me. I love my plot-centric songs. And this one is a little bit... It's mostly based on its cadence, like, and introducing a character that really doesn't have a place in the plot, aside from giving Billy and Julie a place to stay. It's still fun, though. But it does set up the setting. It does give you the setting, it gives you the world, because basically, as much time has passed before this with Julie and Carrie and Billy, that's basically a prologue. This is the song that cements, this is where we're actually starting. Yeah, in June. When the children are asleep, we'll sit and dream the things that every other dad and mother dream. Now, what do you think about Mr. Snow, like when I marry Mr. Snow? And we'll just lump in when the children are asleep as well. I think it's fun and it has a... uh huge of amount of um, character for Mr. Snow in it. Like, even when you're just talking about him, like, in When I Marry Mr. Snow, you get it. And then when you see him and he's just this big, broad, goofball sailor that's like, I want kids, I want a fleet, I want to make sardines. I mean, his sardine idea is great. And he's just kind of fun to watch. He's a goofy guy. You know what the, the, it kind of reminds me of is, what's that one musical we did where the guy invented something? He's like a, a side <laughs> character who invents like uh, something ridiculous. Oh, is that merely a roll-along where he invented the yeah. answering machine? <laughs> he invents the answering machine. This guy invents, what, sardines? <laughs> yeah, sardines. and becomes a millionaire. But that makes him the bad choice. Go for the dangerous poor guy. Oh, no. Go for the guy with the money. Yes. Follow the money and see where it goes. Even if he becomes an asshole, you still get half the money. But you also got to squeeze a bunch of kids out, you cooch. It's strange in a musical where the secondary couple is the more healthy couple. <laughs> Is that not common? No, like in Oklahoma, we've got, um, what the fudge is her name? Adol Annie, who basically is like, I want to bang all the guys. And when my betrothed isn't here, I'm going to bang everyone. And then her husband comes back and he's like, you can't be doing that. She's like, oh, come on. He's like, you can't be doing that. And she's like, okay. And that that's the resolution of that plot line. Yikes. Yeah, whereas Julie, not Julie, what the hell is her name? Lori and Curly, they kind of hate each other and grow to like each other very She Loves Me style. But they're, they they seem genuinely enthralled with one another when they get together. Yeah, no, they, uh, there's only that one scene where it's like super awkward where it's a uh, Jigger, Jigger and Julie and it's like, and then he comes out and he's like, Oh my god, were you touching somebody else? Oh my goodness, so You know what else is a really weird scene? When Carrie gives Julie permission to kiss Enoch, and then Billy comes out and he's like, 
And it's like really tense for no reason. I think they just needed, they like wanted more conflict and they're like, how do we, how do we have more conflict? <laughs> Gotta make it seem like Billy's going to fight this guy so that we don't let them expect that he's going to kill himself and go to heaven. <laughs> I mean, they got it right. Nobody expects it. She's gotta be sheltered and fed and dressed in the best that money can buy. Let's move on to Soliloquy, which is Billy's big number and ends Act 1. I love this song. I really love this song. I knew you would like it. Why? Fuck you. How do you know I like it? Because it's all just character motivation stuff. (laughs) What's wrong with that? Yeah, the music kind of takes a backseat sometimes. I mean, it... It, the music is so important, it, it drives the mood of the entire song. Yeah, and it's it's well done, but it's, I mean, you can't really sing along with it unless you've listened to it a million times, I'm sure, like you have. My boy Bill, I will see there that he goes. he's named after me. There he goes. I will. <laughs> <laughs> My boy Bill, he'll be tall as tough as a tree. Well, Bill... I this one this one is in Jess's book, so... <laughs> but it is such a good, like, moment where he's left alone and we finally get to see Billy when he isn't, like, around other people and he's open, he's playful. It is the most humanized Billy ever becomes in the entire show. And it's where he realizes that his daughter is gonna have to deal with people like him. <laughs> basically. <laughs> he basically talks about, like, hey, my, if I have a son, he's not gonna deal with any, like, teasing bitch that's like yeah. a virgin whose blood's like water i think this is his exact who will give him a kiss a peck and call it a kiss and then that was the moment he's like oh god i might have a daughter and if i have a daughter oh my god <laughs> you can have fun with a son but you've got to be a father to a girl why is that line not father to a daughter would make I more think sense. it just feels if it's easier in the line girl it doesn't rhyme though and it doesn't have the same a good flow it would have been better if it was daughter. I would have made it daughter. Okay, Andrew's mansplaining Rogers and Hammerstein. Come on up. Come on up, Richard Rogers and Oscar Hammerstein. We'll fight you. You can't mansplain to another man. But I think this song, like, it ends Act 1 for a reason. And it is the first time Billy actually has any actual goals that aren't, like, beating his wife and ha- trying to bang little girls. Yeah, now his goal is to make sure that his daughter doesn't get beat by his hu- by his, her husband. <laughs> Only I can beat my daughter! It's a good song, but it's got a weird, it's got a weird kind of turn when he's like, Oh my goodness, daughter. I guess it just shows that he's such a bad character. He's such a bad guy. Plays gender politics and all that. But it sets up the reason why he's so dedicated to that, like, yeah. that robbery <laughs> in Act 2. Yeah, I love that the the resolution of that is, my daughter might get treated poorly, therefore, I should participate in a robbery. <laughs> it's more like she needs to be able to, he was thinking mostly monetarily, like, I can, a son will make it through, but a girl, I want to buy her pretty dresses and make her look good, and... I've never known how to get money, but by God, I'll try. I'll go out and take it or steal it or, or what is it? I'll go out and make it or 
steal it or take it, something like that, or die. And he sets up that he's going to die because he doesn't do any of that. Why not just get a job? (laughs) There ain't no jobs, damn it, Julie. He's had a job before. That person offers him a job again. (laughs) I ain't going back. Shut up, Julie. Oh, whatever. He's a... He's a bad person. This is maybe the worst main character we've ever talked about. I mean, we talk shit about Marvin, but this is like Marvin times 50. Yeah, like for real. Like for sure. Do you think Wizard would have taken that shit? No. Uh, Wizard would have been like, it's like being beat by an angel. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, hit by an angel. He didn't beat anybody. Let's be clear yeah, about this. Hit, not beat. <laughs> very, very specific differences. In musical theater structure, act two should open with a song where everyone sits the fuck down and you don't really have to worry about the plot. And this musical has the worst one, which is, it was a real nice clam bake. <laughs> Literally just about like, yeah, that was a nice clam bake we had. Well, I ate a lot. I mean, it sets up that they're at the clam bake. Kind of, is that it? That's uh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got. I like the fact that I can make eye contact with you and see you avoiding eye contact with me. I hate this song. I really do. I didn't hate it. I get its purpose. But as soon as it's on, I'm like, God, fuck this. Well, it is. It's like back to back. Like, I really love Soliloquy. And I was like, I want to see what comes next. Ah, is it going to do it? And then it was a real nice clam bake. And we all had a real good time. And I'm like, no, kill me. Yeah, but it was a nice clam bake. Are you denying this fact? You could say that in a line of dialogue. Okay, yeah, well, a line of dialogue is not going to allow the people that forgot to have two dumps to sit back down. <laughs> Call back to our SpongeBob SquarePants episode, folks. Remember, two dumps. Don't go in the, in the mid-show. The intermission. The mid-show intermission. What's the use of wondering if he's good or if he's bad? Or if you like the way he wears his heart? What's the use of wondering if he's good or if he's bad? He's your fellow and you love him. That's all there is to that. So there is another song that I want to talk about that pisses me off. Of course there is, Jess. Can you guess what it is? Is it What's the Use of Wondering? Yes. Like, literally the first lines of that song are, What's the Use of Wondering if he's good or if he's bad? I don't like either of these two songs. Uh, the one where they both, where they sing, Oh, there's nothing bad but but a good man or whatever. And then all the ladies sing, Oh, there's nothing bad but a man in general. It's just... I didn't like either of those songs. But the last line of this song is, you're his girl and he's your fella and the rest is all talk. He's beating you! Um, I mean, somebody trapped in an abusive relationship may think that way, right? Yes, but this song makes it seem like we should be on her side. Like, yeah, she's making good points here. You're right. (laughs) I concede. I win! I win the podcast! Just wins. 
<laughs> Jess wins this podcast. I win most of them, though, to be honest. Honestly, that is how the dynamic of the show is. One of us trying to win by the end. I usually We both win. try to think of good points, and then Andrew usually wins. I always win. Not this time. I'm conceding this time. Because I can't, I can't defend a show where people are getting beat. I mean, hit. They don't get beat. Nobody's beaten this show. Talk about like the pop song that came out of this. There's a pop song that came out of this? Um, You Never Walk Alone is basically the big number. I would have thought June is Bustin' Out All Over would have been the big number. Cause Why Bustin', do you say that? Because Bustin' makes me feel good. Ah. <laughs> uh, ah. Uh, I, I should have known. It's also, like, way catchier. But we, You'll Never Walk Alone is the one that everyone covered and everything else like that. Like, everyone's covered it. Like, now I gotta pull up. Gary and the Peacemakers covered it. Um, the Celtic Woman, Josh Groban. Oh, Josh Frank Sinatra, Groban. Roy Oberson, Barbara Streisand, Aretha Franklin, Michael Ball, Alfie Bowe, Pavarotti, Renee Fleming. My God, you know it's good when Aretha Franklin covers it. The only thing that she's covered now is by dirt. I guess she'll never walk alone. No, she won't walk again. She won't walk again. Oh, man. Jess, that was hilarious. <laughs> I like how that started as an ironic appreciation and it became a genuine one. <laughs> Fuck, in Detroit we was when they had they had her funeral in Detroit and you couldn't get down the fucking street and I had to get to class and shit. I'm like, oh, there's Aretha Franklin's fucking funeral. Jess hates Aretha Franklin. <laughs> I I don't mind Aretha Franklin. Aretha. <laughs> she did a lot of good for the world and she made great music but goddamn, i had to get to class on time what class did you miss because of her um i had to get a hard drive to my teacher so if she had one day to come back and fix that for you <laughs> would you accept her star <laughs> No, she'd hit me. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like being hit by an angel. <laughs> Jess is fucking dying. <laughs> Jess is going to have to come back and finish the podcast. <laughs> That's my unfinished business. <laughs> I gotta do it fast because like a minute is a year up there. Oh my god. Don't take more than 30 seconds, Jess. <laughs> Even that's half a year. Just go up there and be like, I want to go back down. <laughs> i to tell you but afraid I'm shy. Pass me by. Now I've lost you. Soon 
What is your overall thoughts on carousel? Uh, zero out of ten. Not enough carousels. <laughs> no, what? It, it was uh, it was pretty good. Um, if you can get past the fact that the main character is just terrible, um, you'll probably enjoy it because the music is very good throughout. There's some standout numbers, and, and most of them are pretty good in general. A few catchy songs. Uh, uh, June is Busting Out All Over is catchy. Uh, Blow High, Blow Low was pretty fun. And then there's some good plot-centric songs Jess will tell you all about. Uh, but the ending doesn't make any fucking sense. And the main character is a dick uh, who hits his, beat, beats his wife. Sorry, I almost said hit. It's not beats. No, he he beats her. <laughs> uh, so it's hard to get past that. But if you if you can get past that, it's 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 fun. And I guess if you're really into musical theater, you should be able to appreciate its historic value probably as well. So there you go. That's my thoughts. Well, yeah, I'm with you. Basically, I think the music is top notch. Like this is Roger Hammerstein's best score. Uh, best score. It is not their best show because Sound of Music still exists, and we will get to that one day. Um, I love it. I love the music, and I will turn this on while I'm at work and enjoy listening to it. But I cannot get over how terrible Billy Bigelow is and how this story. And the narrative supports him, in a way. And shits on the gentleman. That is supposed to be the representation of good in a relationship. Like, it bothers me a lot. And yeah. a lot of people say, like, no, this this does not support domestic violence. And why is Billy Bigelow the main character and not Julie Jordan or Enoch Snow or even, like, Carrie? Um, I know, product of its time and all that, and... <clears throat> that is a fair point, but I'm talking, and for the rest of this show, let's just say, we're not talking about the grand consensus. Neither of us are critics. We're just talking about our own opinions. Andrew doesn't know much about musical theater, and I do, and these are all our initial thoughts. We are not professional critics, so we aren't going to analyze the fucking literary analysis of when it came out. That's not what we're here to do. Yes, it is an uncomfortable watch and it does make it hard to enjoy the gorgeous, gorgeous score that Rodgers and Hammerstein came up with. When I watched it, I saw the date that it came out and I was like, oh, that's why all this stuff is in there. <laughs> so it's like, okay. And you're able to contextualize it. But this is still being performed in 2018, 2019. Unchanged all that. as and, well. So Yes, so, and expecting us to put it right up there with Wicked and all that other stuff. Yeah. So it should be judged on those terms as well. I've got a question for you, just out of curiosity. In the more recent production of Oklahoma that just premiered at the Circle in the Square Theater on Broadway, like, a little less than a few weeks ago, it is brand new, they made changed all the songs to be contemporary, they didn't change any of the book, but they changed like a lot of the contemporary editions made made it sexualized a little bit, made it a little bit more horny. So, and everyone is like, "Why would you mess with Roger and Hammerstein's masterpiece like this?" And I'm like, "Fuck you people. You've had over 70 years of that show. Let's do something different with it. Change is good. That's what theater is for." I guess when something gets to a certain age and it's considered a classic, it's just untouchable because we've talked about before 
things getting changed in more contemporary shows, and nobody has a problem with it, really. Not very many people, anyways. Um, but, like, something like this, where it's an older show, I guess it's just people consider it, oh, well, it's historic, or, or it's a classic, you can't, you can't touch it. Andrew, are you ready for your cheese rating of o- uh, Oklahoma, of Carousel? We haven't watched Oklahoma yet. Yeah, why don't you go first with this one? Alright, my cheese rating is June Daisy Hoop Cheese, cause June is busting out all over! <laughs> it's perfect for holiday mac and cheese, pimento cheese, or I'm gonna just give it, like, creating. a pepper jack or something like that. Or uh, something sharp, something spicy. Some uh, ho- horseradish. Like Some horseradish cheese. Um, because there is a lot of spice to this show, but there's still a lot of cheese as well. So I'm okay with it. The cheese is good. The spice maybe burns your mouth a little too much. So it's hard. It's hard to really get the cheese down. You know. If that make, does that make sense? Makes dollars, not cents. Either way, thank you guys for listening to our retrospective on Carousel. Um, just a little reminder, today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash cheese and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. <laughs> just go to audibletrial.com slash cheese. Thank you guys for listening. Andrew, you know what we haven't done in a good long while? What's that? We haven't given any $25 gift cards for the great people that review us on iTunes. That's a really good point. We haven't done that in a long time. Yes, yeah, so I want you to pick a number between 1 and 25. Actually, 36. I lied. 36? 1 and 36? Yes, yeah, so we have 36 reviews, and I'm trying to cut out like the people we've already who have already won. I want to pick three numbers, and I want you to pick a number from one to three. Okay, this is super randomization. Okay, I am going to pick two. Uh, I am picking number 36, then. Number 36. All right, that is Sango Demon Slayer 01. So if you are on iTunes under the name Sango Demon Slayer 01, email us at musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com and we will set you up with a $25 gift card. And that is a and kick-ass fucking name, Mr. Demon Slayer. Yes, Sango Demon Slayer. <laughs> um, you specifically liked um, when we talked about Next to Normal, Falsetto, Spider-Man, and Love Never Dies. And you are excited to see us do Heathers and Les Mis one day. So come on over. We're giving you $25 on the house. Just shoot us an email and we will set you up with it. Please follow us on Twitter at Cheesy Musicals. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, at Musicals with Cheese. Our Instagram is Musicals with Cheese. Give us a follow. Please send us some money on Patreon if you think that we're really worth it. We're going to be doing a commentary on Cats that's only available to Patreon. Cats is going to be fantastic. I've heard that it's about cats. That's the only thing I've heard about it. Nothing else. It is about cats, I, I hear. Neither of us have seen Cats before. Our YouTube is page true? is Musical Theater. Yeah, I've never You've seen Cats. You've never seen Cats? <laughs> oh my goodness. That is going to be a masterpiece, uh, us watching Cats then. You need to get that. <laughs> yes. Only available to our patrons. <laughs> 
So get to donating, folks. Our YouTube page is Musical Theater Lives. Email us at musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com. Our incredible title card was created by Jolene Casco. Her Instagram is at Jolene Casco. Andrew, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up? If you're buying anything on Amazon, you can use our, our link in the description, correct? Yes, we have an Amazon affiliate link. If you're buying things on Amazon, especially you $25 gift card winner, come on! <laughs> yep, use our link. Uh, and uh, outside of that, I want everyone to have a fantastic day at work because I know you are listening to this on your commute. Don't lie to us. That's where you're listening to this right now. <laughs> Unless you're Brent, then you're listening to us in the shower. In the shower. It still applies. All right. And the last thing I want to say is, it's not true. I did not hit her. I beat her. Thank you very much. And that's it from Musicals with Cheese. Bum ba da da ba dum ba. Bum. That's a wrong note. You're fine though. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you know this, but I can't sing. Ah, fair enough. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.